Welcome to Tech in Color, a show dedicated to spotlighting diverse stories of leaders in tech and business and their journey in getting to where they are today. I'm Monsi. And I'm Michelle. We're thrilled to be joined today by Alexandra Zatarang. Alexandra is the co-founder and VP of Brand and Marketing at 8sleep, the world's first sleep fitness company. 8sleep was named one of Fast Company's most innovative companies of 2018 and recognized two years in a row by Time's Best Inventions of the Year. In 2017, Alexandra was named by Forbes to the 30 under 30 list of young professionals making an impact in the consumer technology industry. Outside of 8sleep, Alexandra gives back as a mentor for female founders and is an angel investor in female-founded companies as a Clio Capital Scout. Thank you so much for being here, Alex. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, and thank you for that introduction. I'm happy to be here. So we'd love to begin where you began. To start off, can you tell us about your upbringing in Tijuana, Mexico, your family, and what you were like growing up? Yes. Yeah, I grew up in Tijuana. My, my family is, is from Mexico, so I grew up in the border. And it was certainly a very different life than the one I, I lead today. It was a very fortunate middle-class upbringing. My dad was actually an entrepreneur. Um, he was a school dropout that came from a different part of Mexico and, and moved to Tijuana when he was very young, and he took care of his family um, after his, his father left the family. So he had to kind of become very entrepreneurial from an early age. And my mom was a physician. Growing up, I never really thought that I would become an entrepreneur, even though I saw it in my dad. It wasn't something that I thought, oh, like that is, you know, my goal in life to start a company. But now when I look back after six years of having my own company, it's interesting to see how many of those things you absorb as a child. You know, when you have a parent who owns a business, and in his case, it, it was a small business, uh, you go through so many ups and downs. And as a family, you kind of just learn to deal with it, builds that sort of resiliency very early on and a very deep understanding of the fact that like in life, you're going to have ups and downs. And then the other end too, being a border town, I've got exposed to the American culture from an early age. So that was another key thing for me where I, I, I knew what startups were. I knew what the technology industry was. It wasn't that far away from Silicon Valley. Um, I was consuming all the American media products. And so it was, it was this great way to grow up in between these two cultures, uh, which is certainly what happens with all of us that grow up in the border. That's really cool to hear about how you had this early perspective in entrepreneurship from hearing about your father's business. You also mentioned a little bit about how you had entrepreneurial influences living in Tijuana and close to the border. And after college, you moved from Tijuana to New York. That's a huge shift. What was it like to emigrate from Mexico and how was it to adapt to the new environment especially as you were building your career? Yes, moving to New York after college, that had definitely always been a dream. I had never visited, but I knew that that's where I wanted to be. When I finally was able to do it after college, I just thought, well, I'm just going to take the chance. I think I was very naive, but I just said, well, I'm going to apply to as many jobs as possible and I'm going to take whichever job I can get that pays me a decent salary so I can go there. And it was a big shift because for the most part, like New York is very, very different than Monterrey, which is a big city, or Tijuana, which is also a big city. But I think that I was lucky in, in a few ways. The first is the opportunity that I had at that first job is something that I never forget. You know, the even though I had had jobs previously while I was in school and during all my 
summers. It's different when you're fully kind of out of college and you have that first full professional experience. And I was really lucky to have a boss who is someone I'm still close with, who was an entrepreneur himself, who had this this company, which in a way was a small business, um, who, who almost took me under his wing and said, you know what, like, I'm, I'm going to share with you as much as possible about my business and you can grow and take on any project that you want, like just, you know, earn my trust. And then you'll be able to go from being an assistant to running all of our marketing and helping our sales agents. Right. And, and those are fantastic opportunities I think to have early on it's just to, to work with someone who's investing in you, who's not just hiring you to fulfill a job. So I, I have heard people talk about like, you, you need to search for your boss, not for a job. You know, that is so critical early on. And it's something that Keith Rebel, who's the seats on our board, um, talks about. And then the second thing is that by the time I moved to New York, I, I was already in a relationship with Mateo, who's my husband and now my co-founder, right? So we've been together now for 10 years. And so we were, both of us being that he's also... Um, you know, an, an expat and he lives in the U.S., but he grew up in Italy. We were experiencing this new world together. So having some some sort of tribe, whether it's your friends, your partner or, or, or family or friends that become family in that new place make a big difference. Yeah, that's so inspiring to hear about the importance of having a community when you're entering this whole new world. It's super inspiring. Um, yeah. You mentioned a little bit about those jobs that you had early on at various startups and the influences of your boss as an entrepreneur and as a mentor. Could you walk us through those early roles and how they led to you finally starting your own business? It's interesting because it's for the most part, not apparent how they led to this taking the step to actually like, you know, take the plunge and start your own company because the, the jobs that I had before eight sleep were not necessarily in like traditional tech startups or they were not in like consumer marketing roles, which is what I do now. But I do think that out of, out of those jobs, what I learned the most because I worked so closely with two entrepreneurs was that side of running a business. My very first first or second day at my first job out of college, my, my boss at the time took me as um, you know, a, a witness for a conversation where he had to let someone go. And he asked me, I, I need, you know, they, there had been a very delicate situation at, at, with that person. He said, I need to have a witness with me as it is HR protocol. And he said, do you mind? And I said, no. And, you know, you think about it and say, well, why are you going to learn from that? But you actually learn one when you're, you know, 21, 22 years old, the fact that you need a witness. And second, how do you approach those conversations? And if you're really open to it and you're like a sponge absorbing from any source, any sort of knowledge and learning, you can take that with you. And the moment that you have your own company and you have to um, face those sorts of situations, you can refer back to that experience that you have many years before. When you have to downsize a team, I had to see that with my former managers. Uh, When you have to hire, when you have to find an office, I had to go through that where you know, you are a more junior employee and it falls on you to do it. And suddenly you find yourself in New York City trying to find office real estate. And then years later, you have to do it for your own company. And so the learning sometimes is not just on the skills that you're going to be using to uh, do your job day to day, 
But when you're going to start a company, you need to be um, also very smart on other areas of the business that you generally don't get to learn about if you're just focused on becoming a better designer or becoming a better engineer, right? It has to come from somewhere else. And I think that that is what those jobs left me. That's such a great reflection, especially because it's so important to learn from every situation you're part of when you're going to be a founder because you have to wear all these different hats. You're going to experience things that you never would have read about. And suddenly you're like lost and saying, what am I supposed to do? And who can I go to? And who's going to guide me? So you hope that going back to that concept of having your tribe and having uh, people who can support you, you hope that someone in that group can, can guide you and help you. But sometimes you don't have anyone. So if through experience you acquire that knowledge or you can get to someone who has, uh, that's a huge advantage. Yeah, definitely. Like having this tribe is so important, but you also have to rely on yourself. Yep. We'd also love to dive into your journey of co-founding 8sleep in 2014. So can you start off by describing what 8sleep is to our listeners and how it's sleep fitness tech works? Yes. So... Eight Sleep is a health and wellness company focused on sleep fitness. And what we primarily do is we develop technology to help people achieve sleep fitness, basically get the best sleep that you can get. And the technology that we develop focuses on doing two main things. The first is to help you understand your sleep. So trying to find the most seamless ways possible to track your sleep and your health so that we can show you the patterns and trends that make you sleep the way that you do. And as a consequence, identify the ways in which you could sleep better. So we really believe that you can't improve what you don't measure. So data is really at the core of it. The second part of what we do is then using that data to create the perfect environment for your sleep. So that's a combination of the data, but also some like more you know, hardware technology, physical technology that can tackle some of the main disruptors of sleep, whether that is comfort or temperature or light or noise or in the future oxygen level or whatever it is that gets in the way or whatever could be manipulated to also give you better sleep. And um, that's in a gist what our signature product does, which is the pod. The pod is... You know, gets described as like the Tesla of beds. It really is the most advanced um, mattress in the market. And it has sensing technology to track your sleep and your health without you having to wear anything to bed, just literally go to bed. Um, and then it uses that information to adjust in real time the temperature of your bed on each side of the bed individually. And the reason why that is so important is temperature is the number one environmental factor that affects your sleep. It's critical for um, falling asleep, staying asleep, achieving deeper sleep and waking up refreshed. So we wanted to tackle that as the very first thing that we can manipulate to uh, give you more comfort, more restful sleep, and then eventually be able to tackle some of the other environmental factors as well, which is something that we're working on right now um, to you know, continue to innovate and see, well, where could we take human sleep if we actually augmented it through technology? Yeah, that is a really cool problem and really unique problem space that, you, that you're working on. And you also took a really big leap to move to San Francisco to join a sleep technology team of three people when you were still living in New York. Could you describe how you made the decision to make this risk? Was it your conviction that this problem was what you wanted to tackle or did other things also affect your decision? 
Yeah. So I'll step back a little bit and talk about how we even started. Probably we started looking into the space maybe like seven, eight years ago. So Mateo, who I mentioned before, he's my husband, he's my co-founder, he's our CEO. Um, He started struggling with his sleep. So Mateo was an athlete growing up and then he became a lawyer, then he became an entrepreneur. So very much, you know, like most of us here, high performer, someone that pushes himself. And at a certain point in his life, he started struggling with the restless leg syndrome that started getting in the way of his sleep quality. And he started researching what were the options in the market to sleep better. And what he found is that there were companies doing mattresses and bedding, which is giving you comfort. Great. There are companies doing pharmaceuticals, which can knock you to sleep, but they're not good for you. And there are the companies at that time, right, seven, eight years ago, there were the Fitbits and the Jawbones, and it was a less crowded space that were giving you data. But none of these companies had even in its core mission to improve sleep, right? They were these kind of adjacent products, but no one was really trying to innovate and say, I'm going to solve this problem. And that is what like just kind of the the light bulb that went off in his head and said, well, this is an opportunity because I have this problem and I'm sure that there's millions of other people that have the same problem I have, which is lack of quality sleep or sleep deprivation even. And that's how it all started. It was just like his own problem. And he started looking more into what was the science at the time of sleep. He started talking to some doctors. And out of that, a conversation came up with Max, who is our other co-founder and he's our CTO. And Max fell in love with the idea of using data and technology to build solutions. And so that is where Eight Sleep started early 2014, out of a conversation between the two of them, Max built a prototype of what our technology architecture is now, using sensors, um, using real-time data to adjust environment. And I joined them because when they pitched me the idea of actually building this into a company, I always thought that it was really fascinating to build something that could improve people's sleep, but that could also be a key component of preventive health. And it came at a very interesting time in my life where I had a a great job in New York City. I was working in a financial technology firm. Um, I was growing, I was learning a lot, but my dad had just passed away from colon cancer. And so when he went through that journey, which was, you know, it's a really aggressive cancer, four months from diagnosis to when he passed away, the first thing that he lost was his sleep. And he had been a really good sleeper. And then I started seeing that he would spend his time in bed. And my mother, who's a, who's a doctor, a physician, would go to work and wouldn't have a way to monitor how he was doing while he was at home in the care of someone else, whether it was a nurse or a family member. When Max and Mateo told me this idea of having sensors in the bed, I thought, this is amazing. Like, imagine not only what it can do for sleep, but what it could do for health because we spend so much time in bed that there is so much information that this can be capturing about ourselves. And we could eventually be building this blueprint of our entire health system every single night during those eight hours of sleep. And that's what really, I think, from an emotional perspective, uh, connected with me and said, I feel like I need to be a part of this. And the reason why I took the plunge and like left my job was 
not only because I thought the idea was great and like this could be a great company if we succeeded, but I really trusted my co-founders. I was very honest with them and I said, here's what I know and here's what I don't know and here's where I fit and here's where I'm going to need your help. And it may come a time when I'm not the best person to do this role that I'm going to jump to do right now. And we need to be able to have that conversation, the three of us, right? And like saying all of us as founders are putting before our own interests, the interest of the company. And if we all agree on that, then I'll, I'll jump because I know that we are coming in with the same intentions and the rest will figure it out. I think that's something important for anyone who is working with friends or with you know relative or a partner or even looking for co-founders. It's, it's an alignment in not only the mission of what we're trying to build, but how you're going to approach uh, your own roles, your own moments of difficulty. What is what is really what you're trying to get out of this company? You need to want the same thing in order for it to really work. And I wanted to make sure that that was aligned before I left my comfortable job and moved to the other coast. Yeah. Thank you so much for being open and sharing your story um, about your father and about how this company came together. It's amazing how you and Mateo both had these personal connections to the problem of how to improve sleep and health and everything came together in like a very opportune way. You mentioned how you started this company over six years ago now, and since then it has obviously grown a lot. Are there any particular challenges or victories that you and your co-founders experience that come to mind? In particular for our business, because we're a hardware company, we do everything from the technology development all the way to like commercializing it. Um, it took a long time for the technology to, to really mature. And there's very few startups that get into building hardware because it's hard, but um, it really took a long time. I don't think that we reached a, a real strong point in our product up until maybe two and a half years ago. And so you really spend a lot of time first trying to figure out what's the best product to build. Then you're trying to figure out how to build it. Then you're trying to first sell it to see there's traction. Like there's just such a journey that you go through in the first years that tends to look very different from what you see with like SaaS businesses. Um, the inflection points are just going to be a little bit further apart from one another. Some of the hardest and most rewarding times for us as founders, I think, have come all from um, hiring or anything related with our team. You really build the, the company um, that you hire for. So the team is so crucial. And either you are able to close an amazing person that you know now years later you look back and they're still with you and they have grown so much and uh, both in their personal lives now maybe they're married and they have kids but also professionally now they they're really pillars of the company and they lead projects and they manage teams and those moments are really rewarding because um you spend so much time with people you know like we're not building this just to like be sitting at our computers like clicking on the keyboard, um, you have to enjoy it working with your um, fellow teammates. And so it's very rewarding when you're able to bring on board someone who is amazing and who becomes even better over time with you. Um, 
And some of the most challenging ones are definitely when you have to downsize your team. So I think most companies went through that this year. Uh, we did as well. And that, that was probably the hardest time that we have gone through as a company, having to do a layoff of a portion of your team in anticipation for a really chaotic time that no one really knew what to expect. That was really, really tough. It's the learning experience too, as a group of executives to get a sense for how you tackle together some of the hardest times that companies can go through. And uh, I'm pretty proud of how we did it. And in, in, in terms of how we all just rallied together behind like the way we wanted to approach things, how we wanted to take care of people, how we wanted to announce it, how transparent we wanted to be, you know, that goes back to those values of like, do you have the same approach to building and running a business? That's really helpful, especially in those tough times. Yeah, totally. And this also goes back to your point earlier of how no one really teaches you about the ins and outs of being a founder. So many situations come up, which you could never expect. And you just have to be able to trust your co-founders and trust your gut and move forward with it. So that's yeah. Awesome. And I think a lot of times the stories that you read on, on, on founder um, narratives are so connected with like fundraising or selling a business, but you only get to do those so few times in the life of your company compared to the day-to-day of managing people, retaining, motivating. Um, it's, that is really the grind, you know, and that it's so important that we talk about those too, because that is where the company gets built. Um, the fundraise moments and the exits and all of that is just the result of all the work that you're actually putting in on the day-to-day. And so the secret is actually on that daily operation of the business. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting to hear about how the business and the technology can both grow in parallel, but at different paces where you're growing yeah. the team and the business, even while the technology is still being refined. And yeah. that especially must come to play in your role as VP of brand and marketing. What's it like handling brand management and marketing for this revolutionary sleep fitness technology? And what's your philosophy behind how you think about eight sleeps branding? So first of all, it's really fun because we get to define our own category. When we started um, and we finally started commercializing the first version of our product, it was interesting because we just didn't know what keywords we were falling into. Are we a mattress cover? We There's no such thing as a smart mattress cover. We're not a sleep tracker. Like, And so a big part of what I do with brand and, and marketing is just trying to find the right, the the place where we fit. So where do we fit in the world and do we need to carve our own space in it or do we fall into an existing category? And that is for me so much fun um, because in our case, we decided to create our own category. That's what we talked about sleep fitness. We welcome other brands to join us in the sleep fitness category to develop their own solutions. But what that really stands for is the real um, the products that are going to solve your sleep problems. That's what we're really here for and that are going to get you to achieve sleep fitness. Defining the category, establishing ourselves in that category and ask category leader is like step number one of what we do. And then it's all about finding ways to reach our audience. What we're trying to do is we're trying to grow a movement. So we need to find people who are pursuing the same goals that we are pursuing, which is they want to be sleep fit. And we need to tell them that there's a group of other people over here who are trying to achieve the same thing as them and then invite them to join our journey. 
And they can join our movement with any degree of connection that they want. They can subscribe to our emails. They can follow us on social. They can share our content or they can also buy our products, right? But we don't care if you just follow us on social or subscribe to our content newsletter. You're just as valuable to us as a brand as the person who's buying our products. As a business, then it's different, right? Like from the revenue perspective, we want as many people to buy it. But as a brand, we really stand for that mission of getting people to be sleep fit. So what's most important to us is that there's a large number of people in the world that know about sleep fitness, that care about it, that evangelize it for us. And that over time, there's more and more people who want to adopt that as part of their lifestyle. So the ultimate goal for, for me is that eight sleep really establishes sleep fitness as a desirable way to live. I want for that to be one day a mass market, you know, very well-known concept and lifestyle, just like we many companies, when you think about uh, other brands have done it in other spaces whether it's for you know non-dairy or alcohol, low alcoholic beverages or the physical fitness and steps like the work that Fitbit did. Um, it's been done many times before in different categories and it's done in, through different tactics. And we're looking to do that with sleep. It's really inspiring to hear about how you and your team are truly pioneering this new category and this movement and you're carving your own niche into this market. And I also feel like the pandemic seems to be a great time to make change in the way people approach their lifestyle and their rest and their sleep. Yeah, this year has been interesting because people are much more aware, I think all of us are, about our health. Sleep has always been this one of the, I think, like pillars of health. It has always been kind of left aside. For the most part, what we found when we were thinking deeply about the brand that the language used about sleep in the media was generally negative. So it was always spoken about in the context of illness, sleep deprivation, sleep apnea, insomnia. But the positive sleep stories were not really part of the conversation. And it has started to change slowly, but it's still a huge opportunity. And that sort of framework of finding your own niche and understanding how your brand and your product fit in and how it can still grow from there is so valuable for any company in any space. Yeah. And on that note, I guess a lot of our listeners are also sleep deprived college students or new grads. Since at this point, you're basically an expert on all things sleep. We'd love to know what are your morning and evening routines or what would you recommend that we can incorporate into our lifestyles to better ourselves? Yes, I think that that's a really important question. So I'm a very good sleeper and I sleep like probably eight and a half to nine hours every single night. I think most people, probably most of your listeners actually sleep very little. And um, I would highly recommend for anyone who's listening to really read about the effects of sleep deprivation. It's terrible. Like, Lack of sleep kills you faster than um, lack of, of nutrition and food intake. And so it makes you a little bit more conscious about the importance of what I think are the first steps for anyone who wants to sleep better. One is having a routine. So make sure that you have a schedule, more or less in a 
window of half an hour, go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time every single day, including the weekends. Now, I know it's hard when you're younger and your schedule's all over the place, but at least if you try to make it as much of a priority, maybe 89% to of the time you'll be sticking to that schedule. That will make it falling asleep so much easier and waking up so much easier. I don't use an alarm to wake up unless I have to wake up really early. So the schedule and the consistency is the number one step. And then the second thing is certainly temperature. Most of the traditional, what we call dumb beds, get hot overnight. And that goes against the regulation that your body's trying to do to keep you asleep. So you have to be very conscious about kind of the pajamas that you go to bed with, if you wear socks, the blankets, the comforters, temperature in the room and the temperature in your bed. And if you can adjust that and pair that with a very consistent schedule, you should be able to get pretty decent sleep unless you're you know, diagnosed with any sort of medical condition, which you should also get checked on. Thank you for those comprehensive tips. Hearing this is my first step to getting better. So you guys can hold me to this. Yeah. You just think about it. That's why we talk about sleep fitness, right? It's just like fitness. Think about it as something that you can work on every day. So you have to prioritize it. You have to work on it. Um, but it is something that's going to require your attention. And then you can bring into your routine different products or um, different habits that are going to make it even easier. Um, so you were asking for about my, my routine. So I, I go to bed with my phone in my hand. I put it next. I, I don't really spend much time in bed unless I'm ready to sleep. So that's for sure. I'm not in bed browsing on my phone. I'm not watching. It's not like I disconnect hours before or anything like that. Put my phone in my nightstand and I fall asleep. Because I'm just so well sleep trained, and I know that people will be jealous about this. Um, but the ways that I do prepare for for bed are I I don't open my computer late at night. So even if I'm still on my phone and maybe I'm still you know checking emails or thinking through the day or what's next the following day, I'm not at my computer. Um, and the same thing in the morning. Like I'll do my full routine in the morning, whether I'm working out, shower, I have breakfast, or I have coffee. And then I'll sit at my computer. Then that doesn't mean I don't pick up my phone and look at emails and Slack the first thing I wake up and I look at the revenue numbers from the previous day, right? Like I get going from very early and I go on to very late. But I do think for me, the boundary that has worked well is to not be in front of my computer screen. That's really great to hear. And we'll definitely try to apply this idea of imposing boundaries in our own lives. Shifting to another important topic, something that we're very cognizant of in te on Tech and Color is the importance of representation and promoting diversity in these fields of technology and business. So you've mentioned before that one of your personal missions is to bring underrepresented groups into Eight Sleep's pool of talent and investors. And I'm sure you've also had your fair share of road bumps along the way in this founding journey as an immigrant female and Latina founder. Could you tell us a bit about what that experience was like being one of the first? The thing I always talk about the most um, for me, my experience has been very different because I am not the CEO of the company. I'm not the one raising money. So I do know from companies that I advise or maybe I've invested through Clio Capital that when it's a, a woman or a person of color that is out there putting their face and trying to raise money themselves, their experience will be very different from what we have. And I always want to make sure like we all acknowledge that. And I've seen it firsthand, right? When I see the, the, the difference of what we go through with Mateo fundraising maybe versus someone else. Um, the, the side where I have seen the most impact 
be, because I'm not the CEO of a company, so it's a very different experience, but where I had, I'd certainly saw a big difference coming from a world where I didn't have those connections. I didn't know anyone. I didn't, you know, I didn't come from the Harvard or Stanford or any school like that. Like people couldn't even pronounce my school maybe like that was fine. But that also meant that I, and for all of us, also for my co-founders, we were kind of starting from zero. Um, and so the hardest part about that and like kind of quote unquote being an outsider is to get the first people to trust you. And specifically for people coming from maybe a, a Latino culture, like that background, like myself, we don't come from a culture where this sort of like family and friends investing is really a thing. Like if I, if I was to go to someone in my family and tell them like, Hey, give me like $10,000 to invest in my startup. They look at me like I'm crazy. First of all, they won't even have the money a lot of times. Right. Cause the, the economic conditions in our countries are really different. And um, second, it's just, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. So that is one of the reasons why I love the opportunity to invest with, with Clio through Sarah Kings, who's, who's a friend and is doing great work in that space, or to mentor companies through WNYC, which is a program of the New York City government, um, because I'm very conscious about the fact that for a lot of us, um, it's harder to break in, not only because you're not, don't have a good business or are not capable or anything like that, but it's just like the environment. It's who you know, and it's how those people were raised to think or behave and it's nothing wrong with it. It's just different. And and I think now building a team, making sure that is like as diverse as possible. I think it's like a goal that any leader has at any organization because it's proven time and time again, that that is so valuable. And like businesses that have diverse leadership perform better and diverse teams perform even better. So it is always a priority. And, and one of the ways that we make sure that we're actively looking for diverse talent is by like, First of all, going out there and like telling our own stories. And this comes back with some of the conversations that we have before we started recording this of how um, knowing who is out there, who is a person of a certain background or a person of a shared experience is so valuable because it's easier to connect and identify and share with each other opportunities whether it's investing opportunities, job opportunities, right? And so just creating that sort of network amongst ourselves is so important. Yeah, I definitely really agree to hear about your perspective, especially on the challenges of coming from a unique background and family and friends investing not being a thing that definitely resonates. So it's been great to hear about your story. And before we wrap up, would you be down to answer a few of our quick fire questions? Yes, of course. Awesome. Okay, so to start off, what is your favorite hobby? What do you do to unwind? I feel like I don't have a consistent hobby, but there's two things that come to mind. One is anything related to food, whether it's like cooking or even going to the supermarket and looking for all the ingredients and obviously eating. And the second thing is I've started over the last few years to really get into tennis. And um, I have found that to be a great activity for me. I love the, I love to, to, to play and to practice and trying to get better, but also because it gets me completely away from my phone for that hour class. Awesome. I definitely relate. I love food too. What is the best thing that has happened to you this month? I'd say we launched our Black Friday offer and it's been going really well. So, you know, when you work really hard towards something and then you see people, um, taking on on your product and embracing it and wanting to buy it for a Christmas gift is the most exciting thing that you can see as an entrepreneur. Huge congrats. That's so exciting. Thank you. 
And finally, what is your favorite book? I really, really liked All the Light We Cannot See. It's such a beautiful book. I heard they're making the movie and I can't wait for it. Um, on a more like a business book. Um, I mean, I love Shoe Dog. It's such a great book. I love The Score Will Take Care of Itself. And I just literally got this. It's on my desk. It's The Almanac of Naval, uh, which Matteo got the hard copy for me. He literally dropped, dropped it here in my office a few hours ago. So that's what's next on my reading list. I love Shoe Dog and I'll definitely add those other ones to my list as well. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. It's been incredible having you on the show and we're excited to see where you and Aceleaf go from here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And feel free to connect with me anytime on, on Twitter. Happy to hear about all of the stories of your amazing listeners and their own journeys as well. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Tech & Color. If you're interested in following our journey and hearing from more leaders in tech and business, follow us on Instagram at Tech and Color Podcast, on Twitter at Tech and Color Cast, and on Spotify. We love to hear from listeners like you, so please reach out if you'd like to work with us.